Hey mama, grab your cup of coffee or glass of wine, some headphones, and maybe a video monitor, and commit to taking these next 30 or so minutes for you. I get it. The never-ending to-do list, the nap time hustle, getting started with your workout just to hear the baby begin to cry. But I'm here to say, you are killing it. So this one's for you. We'll be chatting pre and postpartum fitness, breastfeeding tricks and myths, upgrading your nutrition, baby sleep habits, recovery from birth, and so much more. Because while your title of mama is a big one, it doesn't cover all of you. It's time for a little self-care and some focus on you and optimizing your overall health. So let's get going. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Health Without Limits podcast. I have Lindsay Taylor on the podcast as a guest today, and Lindsay is better known on social media as the Food Doula. So I came across Lindsay's page first off when I recognized her cookbook. So she is the author of the Food Doula cookbook, which is a really cool breakdown for women that are pregnant and postpartum. So she breaks down recipes by trimester, one, two, three, and four in the postpartum phase, and makes sure that she's using ingredients and whole food sources that are going to benefit you depending on what um, trimester you're in in your pregnancy and in postpartum. So that is really cool. We talk a lot about that cookbook today. And then she's also a doula and a nutrition coach. So we just kind of break down how to establish some healthy habits during your pregnancy to benefit you and baby, and then keep going with that in postpartum to help with those hormone fluctuations, to help with baby if you are breastfeeding, but without totally overwhelming yourself and feeling like you have all these food rules to follow in order to be a quote-unquote good mom. So in the show notes, you guys will find where you can find Lindsay on social media as well as where you can find her cookbook. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Please remember to screenshot, share, tag me on social media so that we can connect, find each other, and I will catch you guys at the end. Hey, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know we were just chatting about how this is nice that we can do this virtual setting and kind of pop into people from all over the place. So we're glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thanks for asking. And it's so nice to see you. Yeah. So I just did a very short intro to you, but there is a lot to you, a lot of cool things that you have going on. So why don't you just share more about you and how you got into this space? Sure, of course. Yeah. And like so many people, I feel like my path had certain like ebbs and flows that brought me to where I am today. So my, my biggest part of my background is that I worked for a decade at a university in health research. So what I was so passionate about was what do we know from the research that we're not actually doing a great job of implementing into our real life. We know so much about, you know, healthy lifestyles, but it's so hard to actually take those suggestions and that research and implement into our everyday life, right? So that was always sort of my niche was how do we make it easier to adopt those things we know that are so good for us. So I sort of relied on great advice and always expected that I was going to get great advice in my pregnancies. And then when I became pregnant, I was really, I'm not sure what the word is for it, maybe discouraged. I was discouraged in my pregnancy around food and nutrition for a couple of reasons. And one was that I really didn't feel like I was getting great information. You know, I was given a prenatal vitamin and I was told to avoid all these foods. 
But then when I wanted to know what I should actually eat for my health and baby's health, I would look in books and I would see charts of like very clinical, like lists of nutrients and the RDA, how much you need per day. And honestly, it was very overwhelming. And I felt sort of bad about myself because I really didn't feel like I was doing a great job. I really didn't feel like I was eating as healthy as I was supposed to be. So I had some guilt, but I just found that that connection from what I was supposed to do to what felt realistic for me in pregnancy and, you know, feeling kind of sick and feeling too tired to get in the kitchen. Like there was just so many hurdles at that time. And I just felt like we don't deserve to feel bad about ourselves because if I'm feeling like this, I'm sure others are as well. So um, I left my career at the university and I pursued more education in culinary nutrition because, you know, I knew so much from the research, but we, when we talk about facts and we talk about nutrients and things like that, it's really not that applicable when you're like making a recipe or you're shopping at the grocery store. Um, so I really wanted to focus on the culinary part of it. And I started putting recipes together, started sharing some of those, you know, connections between the research and the real life of going through a pregnancy, going through, you know, real life with a newborn. And I started putting it together. And at that time I was approached to make a cookbook. For, it, for exactly that, to make it just a little bit easier, fewer hurdles to cook well and eat well, not just for, you know, baby's outcomes, which of course we're so focused on, but the other pieces we also deserve to feel good and feel energized and feel like we can do something to get over some of those pregnancy complaints that all of us experience. So that led me to the Food Doula Cookbook and basically switching my career, doing an about face, and I couldn't be happier doing what I'm doing now. So yeah, that that's sort of the journey in in summary. And that's so it's so cool. So and I think a lot of moms can connect with that. I mean, I found myself nodding along as you were telling your story, you know, and I'm somebody that I do have a nutrition background. I always have eaten healthy, but I'm like I'm the do-it-all person. So when I was reading those those books with those charts and, and getting the avoid this list from my doctor, I was trying to follow it to a T. And it was so overwhelming because there was just like, okay, you need all these nutrients and you need them for this reason, this reason, and this reason. Here's where you can get them from. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I supposed to fit this all in? And what was that nutrient again? It's just, and then like you said, you feel like, a bad mom or you're not being healthy enough if you're not following the rules. So it's just, I think a lot of moms can relate to that. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I feel like, yeah, it, it feels so hard to achieve. And if you and I and people like us who actually have actual training in nutrition and health, if we're finding it tricky and overwhelming, then everybody's feeling that it's tricky and overwhelming. And that just, it shouldn't be the case. There's so much that is flung at us in pregnancy and conception and postpartum. There's so many rules. There's so many things to figure out. And we just deserve to have it be made just a little bit easier. So basically, that's just what I try to do when I work with clients and with the book. Now, with before the book, were you somebody that like was a recipe creator? Were you often cooking or was that kind of a new venture for you? Yeah, it's so funny. It's such a great question because... If we go way back, I had zero confidence in the kitchen. I think when I first went to university, I knew how to make like 
toast and like I had one of those George Foreman grills to like mm-hmm. cook chicken on <laughs> and I, I just was not confident I didn't know what I was doing and really I think it was my pregnancy was sort of the impetus of soon I'm going to be cooking for little people I study nutrition and health like it, there feels like a separation here I should really know how to cook and use these foods that I'm talking about all the time of how healthy they are so um, again, with my culinary nutrition program that I did, that really gave me the um, experience and training to do things like create recipes and to get really comfortable and familiar, not just in the science part of nutrition, but in the practical part of actually using those foods in many different ways for many different you know, dietary restrictions. And that I loved it. It was so exciting for me that I just spent so much time developing recipes in my kitchen. My kitchen is like a disaster because I've been <laughs> recipe testing in it for the last few years. Um, so yeah, I think I just, I found that it was something that I love to do and I wanted to lean into that. And how cool that you get to now pair what's a passion of yours with your career that, you know, works out great. It does. It does. And I think that it sort of shows, it showed me that it, it matters leaning into what you're passionate about because I was always so passionate and interested in food and nutrition, but I was never really using it. I wasn't making it my career. I was in health, but not specifically in nutrition. Um, and so getting the chance to actually learn and do what I love has really, it's really opened up so many opportunities for me. And I just feel so good about what I do. So yeah, it was a great lesson. Now, how many kids do you have? I have two. I have two daughters. Okay. So did you find like, because you, like you said, that first pregnancy was just like overwhelming and I need to do something about this. So did you find with your second pregnancy that you felt, you know, more empowered and confident in what you were doing food wise? Yeah, definitely. And I think part of the empowerment was understanding a little bit more like what I could do, how I could make an impact in how I felt and also in how my baby was developing. So just knowing that my efforts, like they mattered, they were making a difference. So that, that was really empowering to me. And the other thing was taking some pressure off. I think a lot of us can relate to like a second or a third pregnancy. There's not as much pressure because you've done it before. You feel like, okay, some of these things I'm comfortable with. There's fewer things I need to learn. There's less things that are new. And I think if that helps us take some of the pressure off, then that's a great thing. And I definitely experienced that in my second pregnancy. Yeah, that's a good point because, I mean, I am a first-time mom. I only have my daughter. But I already kind of feel the confidence building. And unfortunately, I think in our society, sometimes we're so quick to judge so I know I felt that in my pregnancy where like, you know, there's questions of, oh, are you, you're going to eat that? You're allowed to have that. And I, I can foresee now in the future where it's like, this is not a big deal. I know what I'm doing and it doesn't matter if they're questioning me because I'm empowered and I know that I'm doing what's best for me and what's best for baby. Absolutely. And I love to hear you say that because you're so right. We part of what we feel like we should eat doesn't necessarily come from what we feel like, what makes us feel good. It comes from what I'm expected to eat. And like, I'll be judged if I, you know, I'm at a party or something. And instead of like salads and the veggies, I'm like, Ooh, let's go for the cupcakes or like the deli meats or something on the tray that look really good. We, yeah, because people do make comments. And I think that that's really unfortunate because the only expert in what makes us feel best 
and how we choose to, you know, look at those do not eat list foods and the foods that were, are recommended, we're the expert in, in what we actually want to do and what makes us feel good and comfortable and all those things. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I kind of want to be able to cover all the bases of like the things that you specialize in. So if we look even at just beginning of pregnancy and you kind of touched on, we don't always feel so great. Like I know personally, I naively thought, oh, I'm in the clear, I'm good. And then like that six to eight week mark hit and I was not in the clear, definitely. And I think a lot of women can relate to not only that, but also feeling like, you know, they can't maybe get the protein or the veggies in because it just doesn't sound good. They can't stomach it. So what are some tips you have for moms that are in that place, but also what are some of those key nutrients that if we can get them in, you would recommend? Yeah, that's such a good question because like you say, sometimes we're like, I'm going to eat all these vegetables and I'm going to eat salmon because I know that's great. And then, yeah, that six to eight weeks hit and we're like, I can only stomach carbs at Mm -hmm. this point in time. Mm -hmm. And so first, I think it's important to know that it's totally okay. If you're not eating the way in the first trimester that you think you should, that you pictured eating, especially for those of us where healthy eating is such a priority, it can be really discouraging and we feel bad about ourselves. So the first thing I would say is it's temporary. You don't need to feel bad. If carbs are making up you know, most of your plate, that's okay. That's what your body needs. It's more important that we're getting in some foods calories, nutrients, than eating nothing because, you know, our body's telling us that's what we need. So, so that's the most important thing. And then in terms of nausea, what's really, really important in the first trimester is getting in protein. And as you said, fish and meat and even eggs sometimes might be totally not tolerable. So then it's how do we get in other proteins? Can we add in like nuts and seeds or can we add in like a great quality like collagen or protein powder or green peas or quinoa, some of these other foods that are really great for us and have a lot of protein in them. So we wanna try and get in whatever protein is tolerable that we feel sounds good to us at every meal and most importantly in the morning. So what I really recommend is, especially if you wake up feeling nauseous, especially in that first trimester, try and have a bedside snack either already there like in your bedside table or ask your partner or somebody in your house to grab something for you like right away when you wake up eat it and stay in bed for about 15 minutes because our blood sugar is as low as it is all day after not eating overnight and when we have really low blood sugar that can be a trigger for nausea and that just sets the stage for more nausea throughout the day so if we can have a snack Ideally, something with protein, maybe like some granola bites, or some people are okay with like a Greek yogurt with berries, or a hard-boiled egg maybe with some fruit. Something small, something that has some protein, and something that you can tolerate. If all you can tolerate at that time is like crackers or half a bagel, that's fine too. And if that's the case, have that bagel, spend your 15 minutes sort of writing yourself for the day in bed before you get up, and then follow it up so with another meal so what happens with a lot of us is we feel terrible and we need to have that that first food even if it's just like a simple carbohydrate like a bagel 
And then we sort of feel a little bit better. So I would lean into that time, whether it's an hour later, half an hour later, where you feel more human, you don't feel nauseous, that's the time to sort of have that second breakfast or second lunch whenever it is during the day you feel nauseous. And it's during that second meal where you can maybe fit in some color. Can you get some fruit and veggies there? Can you get in a protein, maybe some eggs, if you didn't feel like them earlier? Um, that's another strategy that can really work to get in protein and to get in more nutrients. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I did the bedside snack during my first trimester, but I like your idea of the granola bites. Those would have been, because I was more, I just had some crackers there. and. Absolutely. My husband jokes that it would wake him up in the morning because he would hear me like gnawing on the crackers. He's like, oh, Caroline's up. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, and you're right, it makes all the difference. I like the idea, though, of doing some kind of something with protein, too, to just kind of really ease that nausea and give yourself a minute before you get up and start your day. Absolutely. It, it, it matters a lot just to make sure that we are eating because for so many of us, it's when we get either too full or too hungry, that's a huge trigger for like feeling like you're going to vomit, feeling that nausea. So being prepared for it is key. So yeah, the bedside table snack, having some snacks that are ready to go. I often recommend if you can spend like half an hour on a weekend making something homemade, whether it's yeah, granola bar. Um, or energy balls or muffins that you can grab it you know that there's something that's relatively healthy that's easy to eat that you can carry with you like in the car you can have with you in your bag so that you're not getting too hungry your blood sugar is not crashing too much that that can be honestly it can be so life-changing oh yeah it makes a world of difference and then so then as we kind of like move forward in pregnancy and kind of come out of that fog of the first trimester that feels like it's never going to end, but it does. Then, like we talked about at the beginning, we're kind of flooded with, you got to give your baby all of this, you got to be doing all of this, and then you should be doing this. So I found at first that I was almost buying into all of it. And then, you know, I've got my medicine cabinet full of all these supplements and I'm taking them and trying to remember why I'm even taking them. So how do we approach that? What are some key nutrients or or supplements, vitamins that we really should be focusing on, but how do we also kind of just live a little bit more simply? (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. It can be overwhelming. And uh, the first thing I think that's important to mention is there's not going to be one supplement, you know, protocol that suits everybody. Everybody's going to have different needs based on, you know, what's in their diet. Are they vegetarian? Are they vegan? Are they dairy-free? Are they gluten-free? Um, your needs are going to be different, and so the gaps in your diet are going to be different. So I really do recommend working with a prenatal nutritionist to figure out what is best for you. So yeah, so you're not wasting potentially hundreds of dollars a month on these supplements that you actually don't need because your diet is awesome in that particular nutrient and you really don't have those gaps, but you might have another one that that you're not supplementing for. So for sure, that's that's definitely the first thing I recommend. You wanna spend your money wisely. You don't wanna waste money and just have expensive pee. Nobody nobody needs that. (laughs) Um, And secondly, I'm really a fan of food first nutrition and trying to get in all the nutrients we need or most of them from food and so that supplements are only a small part of the equation as opposed to yeah having like seven things that you take every day 
and not all of us remember to do that or you know it, it triggers our nausea and that sort of thing um some of the ones that are most important for like, basically everybody um, the first one is folate so folate's really important especially in early pregnancy but also for the duration of pregnancy and so instead of worrying about folate supplementally it's almost always in prenatal vitamins because it is so important but the tip i always give is just think of folate as foliage can you get in foliage in your day so any green vegetable whatsoever especially leafy greens so what do you like do you like spinach do you like kale do you like bok choy or arugula or swiss chard um just buy what you actually like and what you're going to eat because it's no good to buy say kale because you hear it's really great for folate and then it sits in your fridge and then you throw it out at the end <laughs> of the week right it matters what you like what meals you like what foods you like so get in, if you can, get in a handful of leafy greens every single day, and that's going to be super beneficial for you in terms of that folate. And then another one that um, often there isn't enough in prenatal vitamins is vitamin B12, or often the form of B12 in prenatal vitamins is, is not great. So um, B12 can only come from uh, natural animal proteins. So things like meats and fish and seafood and eggs and dairy, and B12 plays a really important role in baby's development. So if you're a vegetarian or vegan, that's definitely one that you'll wanna get through um, your supplements. And if you're not, then it's a great idea to incorporate um, animal foods every day if you eat them, great quality animal foods wherever you get them. Um, and eggs are one of my absolute favorite foods. You're gonna get the B12 and so many other really crucial nutrients um, in your day. That's an easy, accessible, and really nutrient-dense food. And I like how you brought up, because even hearing you talk about it now, you know, look at your diet you could be supplementing with something that actually your diet's already really high in because you eat this this and this so your tips really seem to be things that can just naturally fit in to your day you know we're already usually putting a protein in at dinner time we're having a vegetable at least at dinner time so how can we just kind of choose the ones that are going to best benefit us and that just seems like a much more simple approach versus trying to do it all and have like a blanket statement. Absolutely. There, there doesn't need to be a checklist of, you know, 15 things, but it's the small things, right? Like, okay, I'm going to put a leafy green in my grocery list this, this time when I go to the school or every day I'm going to try and eat something green. It's really general things like that, that make the difference more so than, yeah, I'm going to get eight servings of this and 20 servings of that. It's just so overwhelming to think about. So it's these small practical things that are going to make a big difference. And I think sometimes we or our society underestimates how much nutrition and whole foods can do for us because supplements are so accessible now, but we really underestimate the fact how much they can impact not only baby, but like you said, us too. And I know that in my second and third trimesters and now postpartum, I've really actually felt pretty good. And my you know, digestion has stayed consistent. My mood has stayed consistent. And when I kind of look at why, I, it's the simplest things. And you wouldn't think that food would make that difference, but it really can. So how do we, like as we move this into the fourth trimester into postpartum, 
what are some things that moms could do to help with some of those, you know, the hormone tanking, the hormone fluctuations, the lack of sleep that's happening, you know, all these different things being thrown at them. What are some simple things that moms could do to kind of give themselves a little bit of self-care through nutrition? Yeah, I love that you shared that and you brought that up and that you're feeling good because that is just so important. Moms matter just as much as babies matter. Um, and that's really true, especially when it comes to postpartum. The sort of awful truth of it is that our nutrient needs are even higher in postpartum, especially for breastfeeding, than they are during pregnancy. And I say that's like almost awful news is because we feel like it's so much harder to eat well and eat enough in postpartum. Um, so a few things that I recommend, one is making it a priority. So when people ask you like, well, you just had a baby, let me know what I can do. Is there anything I can help you with? Say yes, <laughs> say yes when people ask you. We're so conditioned to say like, oh, we're okay, thanks so much for asking. And we feel like we should be able to do it all ourselves, but we really weren't meant to go through that season of early motherhood alone. We were meant to have a village of support and so many of us don't have it. So if someone's offering like, let me know what I can do to help, say food, ask them for food. They can make some food and drop off full meals for you. Maybe they can do your grocery run for you. Maybe they can even prep you just some snacks, some muffins or a banana bread or something so that you have food in the house. Because what I find is the biggest the biggest issue in meeting postpartum nutrient needs is before we even talk about what those nutrient needs are and why and how our hormones and our, our functioning and our, our, our breastfeeding fit with those nutrients, it's just calories and getting enough food in. The reality is, as you well know, you sometimes can go hours without eating or you've got a baby strapped to you 24 seven and you feel like, I just don't have enough hands to eat. So we reach for one-handed things like crackers in the cupboard instead of making ourselves like an actual breakfast or an actual lunch. And then when we go through the day doing that again and again, we go into real nutrient depletion. And why that happens is that when we go through nine months of pregnancy, we use up so many of our nutrient stores that we have stored up throughout our body that we get from the awesome food that we eat and our supplements and things like that. So by the time baby's here and we're postpartum, we don't have enough nutrients to support our body functioning, to support things like good mental health and feeling energized and being able to cope with like irritability and frustration and make breast milk and all these things that we rely on our body to do. It really can't do that without the fuel and without those key nutrients. So eating enough is where I recommend starting. And maybe that looks like, yeah, relying on others for support, um, spending, you know, two hours over the weekend or having your partner do some meal prep for you. Something I love is making up little protein packs, like making up five protein packs at once, storing them in the fridge. So every time you feel like I'm just going to grab those crackers instead of making an actual meal, no, you can grab one of those protein boxes. And maybe in that protein box, you have like hard boiled egg with some hummus and cut up veggies and some fruit. Or maybe you have a trail mix with um, some cut up apple and some almond butter and a few slices of cheese. Something where you're getting in enough fuel, you're actually getting in great nutrients, getting in that protein. That's gonna be a, a you know, no time needed way to 
feel better and help with those hormones and, and all those, um, the, the mental health struggles that so many of us face in, in postpartum. I love that idea of the protein box. It's a good, simple thing to implement. And you're right. You could, like, I was always somebody that I wake up early, five, six o'clock, and I was hungry right away. I would never imagine skipping breakfast. And then those first few weeks, I found myself coming downstairs 10, 11 o'clock, and I hadn't eaten anything. I had breastfed at least one time. And it's like, holy cow. So one thing that we did was um, we asked for gift cards to like Daily Harvest. And that helped a ton because then I could just quick make a smoothie and make sure I was eating. But those first few weeks are just, they're a blur. And having, like you said, things like that that are just quick grab and go, you don't have to think about it and it's just there for you can probably really make a world of difference. Absolutely. And we can do some of that prep beforehand. And this is sort of a bigger conversation. You know, we get so um, caught up in reading and taking classes all about pregnancy and birth, and we sort of forget about postpartum. So taking some postpartum prep class to have a postpartum plan and maybe spending a weekend or, you know, a couple of hours over a weekend for a few weeks and spending that time batch cooking some meals, making snacks, making meals that are easy to stick in the freezer that you can just defrost. So it's one thing you don't have to worry about because it ends up being those day-to-day things that we take for granted, right? Like sitting down for a meal, using a fork and a knife, <laughs> like getting the laundry done. It's these everyday things that feel impossible when you're um, with a brand new baby. So if you can take some of that meal prep off your off your plate, not only are you saving time meal prepping, you're saving time grocery shopping, you're saving time cleaning up after cooking and eating meals. It just takes so much time, effort and stress off your plate if you do that. And in my book, I have a full um, postpartum meal prep schedule that you can go through so that you've got not just food to eat, but really healing foods that support what you need. Like your body is healing, your mind and your hormones are are changing up and going into postpartum mode. Um, and there's certain nutrients that you need for that time period. So it just helps you prioritize being nourished well, because at the end of the day, as the birthing person, you really deserve the same nurturing and love and attention and care as baby does. And so we just need to give ourselves space to actually be cared for during that time. It's so crucial. And that's actually a perfect transition into your cookbook. So you are the author of the Food Doula Cookbook. And how did that come to be? And what I know I gave like a little bit in the intro, a glimpse of how you have it broken down, but talk a little bit about what's inside of it. Oh, absolutely. And I was so lucky and I feel so honored to have the opportunity to do this. And it was such a modern story in that the publisher reached out to me on Instagram (laughs) and they were a local publisher here to where I am about a 10 minute drive from my house. So we were really able to come together with this vision. And I had so much control over the final product, which I really appreciated because I wanted this book to break down what your nutrients are for pregnancy and postpartum and how you get them from your meals without having to spend five hours in the kitchen every day and having a grocery bill that's just obscene. So the cookbook walks you through what foods to keep in your pantry to have on hand for a healthy pregnancy. And then it goes through each trimester from trimester one to trimester four and talks about 
what you might be feeling during that time and how food can help in, in not just meeting your nutrient needs for that time, but how food can help what you're going through, whether that's morning sickness in trimester one or heartburn and feeling like you can't eat big meals in trimester three because baby's taking up all the space in your abdomen to healing and mental health and breastfeeding and postpartum. So um, there is a full photo for every single recipe because that was huge for me because I have so many cookbooks and there's so many recipes without a photo and I have never made a single one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I can't see what I'm going for, like mm -hmm. it doesn't look good to me and I don't know what the final product should look like. So there's about a hundred recipes and there's a photo of every single one. They're all simple, easy. You can customize so many of them depending on what's available to you, what you've got in your kitchen, what you like. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so amazing to me to have this cookbook food baby out in the world. It's just, it's been such a pleasure to see other people using the recipes and cooking from it. And I love that you broke it down in that way. It just really makes it simple. I picture this being like a great gift I would give somebody that was pregnant because like you said, we don't always prioritize ourselves and we may not think like, oh, I should buy myself that, but what a great gift idea so that we make sure that our pregnant friends know, you know, hey, you matter too. Yes, I love that. Yes, and a lot of people are buying it for things like baby shower or to support a new pregnant friend or a new brand new mom. And some people are buying it and then also gifting it like with some food for the freezer. And I love that because, yeah, we always want what's best for baby and we buy so many presents like for baby, but the best thing for baby is a health, healthy, happy mom mm -hmm. and not having to think through like, what should I be cooking? What should I be buying at the store? What are good recipes for pregnancy? If we can take some of that stress off with something as simple as a cookbook, then that's going to make a massive difference. And so, yeah, I'm honored every time that it's purchased as a gift or as, as a tool for a healthy pregnancy. I was going to say, I feel like at this point, I kind of want to gift it to myself <laughs> because it's, I, you know, I love that postpartum is in there, but even in subsequent pre pregnancies, I could see myself using something like that to kind of take the stress off. So where could people find the cookbook? Where is it sold? So it's on Amazon, which is a really easy um, place to get it. It's on amazon.com.ca and .uk. And it's also available, especially if any listeners are in Canada, on plumleafpress.com, which is the publisher's um, uh, website. So that's a really great place to get it as well. And people often ask me, like, I'm not pregnant right now. Like, is it okay for me? And absolutely. I haven't been pregnant in four years. And this is how I feed my family. Um, so many recipes are just easy and healthy. And that's how we want to fuel our body between pregnancies, getting ready for a pregnancy, or even if we're postpartum a year, two years, three years, it's still going to help us be nourished and, and, and nourish our family. I love that. Well, I'm really excited for people to hear this conversation today just because it, like we said at the beginning, it's topics that a lot of moms or moms-to-be struggle with, and you just really make it simple. And like you said, it's something that can be a lifestyle. It doesn't start and stop with your pregnancy. It just keeps going. So could you share, and I'll put this in the show notes too, where people could find you as far as social media or the web, the best way to reach out? Yeah, the best way to reach me is on Instagram. I'm always hanging out over there. You can find me at, at the.food.doula. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the Health Without Limits podcast. You guys know that I appreciate your support more than anything and really love having this outlet to just share my voice too. Don't forget to reach out to me on social media so that we can connect. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Both of those will be in the notes section of this episode. I'll catch you guys in the next one.